Hello. This is Danielle. I'm Danielle. I'm Chris Ramo. It's me, Sean. I'm Sean Vanneman. Famous Vanneman. Classic famous. With reply. It's December 16th, 2014. No, it's not. It's December 17th. Episode comes out today, brother. Today's the 16th. Today's the 17th. Oh, I made this note on the 16th. I made it yesterday. I made a note that you'll appreciate later because it says, tell the GIF story. Um, it's mm. December 17th, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 189. I'm Chris Remo. Uh, I'm Danielle Riendo. I'm yeah. Jake Rodgen. I'm Sean Vanneman. You are. <laughs> Yay. That was a really, really. We just nailed it. Opening. It was great. One of the best openings for one of the best episodes <laughs> of one of the best podcasts. Correct. Serial. What? Oh. Serial. Serial <laughs> <laughs> thumbs. Um, so, hi, guys. Hi. So, I know that Sean and I played the same game this week. Danielle, I don't know what you've been up to. Dragon Age Inquisition and okay, I Dust played some City. Of that. I played some Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Let's get into Dragon Age maybe after the break. Also or framed. Pick one for the break before and after, maybe. Okay. We want to talk about I'll those. Go for it. Um, I, okay, well, I I played, I know, Sean, I don't know who of us played more of it, but I know we both played um, The Talos Principle. Ooh, um, really it great. It is so good. I love this game so much. I am so happy to just be, like, unreservedly excited about a video game that I'm playing. Not that there's, like, literally nothing in it that's, like, not perfect, but it's just a, it's so good. It's a, it's a puzzle game. It's a first-person um, puzzle game. I knew nothing about this when I started. All I knew was that you told me to play it. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't mm-hmm. know like what kind. I I didn't even know that it was 3D. I didn't know anything. So I, <laughs> I looked, watched the trailer before I bought it. I didn't I wasn't do that. Prepared to spend thirty five dollars because you sold me on it so hard. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I want to be able to talk to Sean about this on the podcast. So I so I got it, and I just went into it knowing nothing, and it was such it was so good because th- this is so this is a puzzle game where you're in a world, you're walking around. It, you you enter zones that are sort of self-contained little puzzles that deal with um, kind of evading, roving, mechanized enemies that are on like just a little basic track. Um, so it's like they're very pattern based, very pattern based. You're using this the, these sort of turrets that you can set up that freeze them in place. You're also using these turrets to get through force fields that you can't otherwise get through. So like with one of these given turrets, you can either, for example, use it to open a force field that you to get through or you can use it to free to like stun one of these enemies um or a and, turret or like a yeah or like security a turret. yeah like a security turret you can disable those as well um and so you do a lot of kind of leapfrogging where it's like all right I'm going to put this um turret here to unlock this gate go through the gate grab the other turret that's in there put that down go to then pick the other one up pick the other one up go back through now I have two inside this room and right. before I only had one inside the room. And so, and then on top of that, you're managing like, when do I need to use this resource to like lock down an enemy so I can get past a place? Because if you get hit once, 
you're just dead and you zoom back to the, it just sort right. of does a little rewind back to the beginning of this zone, this puzzle zone. Um, that structure of sort of having fixed resources moving around a room actually sounds like some of the rooms in Portal where yeah. you have like yeah. Yeah. This game, a bunch of turrets and a reflective cube mm-hmm. and then you have to sort of mm-hmm. leap in and out of small contained spaces and, and stuff to, right. to disable everything. And so uh, an interesting comparison to Portal that I really like with this game is that so Portal is very restrained compared to a lot of certainly a lot of Valve games, right? Which mm-hmm. often are like big roller coaster rides or like crazy multiplayer things or whatever. Portal is like relatively speaking fairly quiet. You know, you're it, you're in an environment and you're the only person in it and there's this voice that talks to you that's most of yeah. portal one anyway that's most of what's going on um this game is like even more pulled back than that like mm-hmm. you're in these very sedate environments that you look like sort of mediterranean ruins with kind mm-hmm. of like marble statuary and kind mm-hmm. of crumbling walls and um seascapes and things like that and there's a voice that kind of comes in and gives you very light narration from time to time, but it's not like GLaDOS. It's not like this no. constant sort of a pattern. More omniscient. Yeah, it's like weird, a, enigmatic, omniscient yeah. thing. Mm. Um, and the thing that that I love about this game is that it is simultaneously feels very unencumbered by um, structure reform on the part of the designers, but also very restrained. Those things don't usually come together. Like, you, <laughs> like the game feels kind of indulgent in the sense that the designers just put in whatever they wanted to put in. Like there's that basic structure that I described, but I feel like Sean, and I don't know if Sean, if this reflects your experience, I feel like basically once every 15 minutes or so, another entire structural element or like weird kind of art asset or kind of different environment or um, surprising interaction or like bit of text Mm -hmm. would come up that just doesn't map to the previous stuff I knew. Yeah, totally. And yeah. like that just keeps happening and it just keeps, 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 keeps happening. Mm-hmm. And like, and in, in lots of different ways. Yeah. in very different ways. In, you know, in it starts and you're just a robot in a, in a garden. You oh, you're a, a robot. Couple, and you solve a couple of It took me puzzles. a long time to realize you were a robot. It wasn't until you oh, really? like interact with a terminal for the first time. And I look down and like, I just see the little tips of my hands <laughs> typing yeah. and they're like robot fingers. And I'm like, what? Like that to <laughs> me was one of those moments where I'm like, I didn't know this. Yeah. Like, so that yeah, there's, I mean that's that's part of it, right? You know, these sort of like continued realizations of, oh, I'm a I'm a robot, and uh, oh, I can do this with this turret. Oh, I can get into this room this way. Oh, I can jump up here. Like that was a big thing. Like I jumped once in, the, in an hour. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can jump up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the game never tell it tells you almost nothing, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's very quiet. It's very very quiet. And but then when you use a terminal, you start reading like emails between scientists at like an institution yeah and you're like okay <laughs> like, oh. and they're like they're like at one point they're like talking about jeff goldblum oh perfect Dude, as they should as yeah. they should yeah who's like revealed to be the like narrator right yes. later in the yeah. game <laughs> yeah you know like and they're talking about like modern things and talk about jurassic park for a second oh. um like but these are like historical documents to some yeah, yeah yeah it's very strange but you have to like go up to a terminal and like choose like dir to like get a directory and like go through all the different well, except it doesn't work that was my oh, yeah, favorite that's, that's, interaction yeah. in the entire game so there's a whole text parser interface for interacting with the terminal but it's not really a text parser it's, like it's a, a multiple choice thing yeah and you yeah. pick one and your character types it in Un- understandably they didn't want to implement an entire command line interface for their they're not brendan chung yeah exactly but um <laughs> but the first time you interact with it it was so clever and so on point like your your options there's like six options when you first sit down to a terminal mm-hmm. and the first one is like 
ASDFGSADVGS. Right. One of them is like help. One of them is DIR. One of like I can't remember all of them, but there's right. just like there's one that's like profanity or like an insult or something. Where and am like I? yeah, yeah, where, yeah. But yeah, I like it's and, just help or familiar command you might know or slam all the yeah. buttons on the keyboard like, or swear it. ASDF and yeah. if you type ASDF, it's just like a full line of your character just going like that, 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 that. It's it's it was so clever. I, and then the DIR thing was brilliant because I just have. If you're someone who ever grew up using DOS, that's such a no, you just like oh what's on this thing. system? DIR. Down, oh DIR. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. The only one out of all of those that works is help, which then tells you what all the other commands you can use are. Um, and then on top of that, you end up getting deeper into like nested layers of additional interfaces on this computer, including talking to like a weird rudimentary AI and stuff. It's just you're taking a personality test at one point. Yeah, yeah. there's this sort of like um, uh, Blade Runner esque sort of human person like right a human distinguisher thing that right. like comp machine yeah it's very very much like the void comp <laughs> and uh it's just usually in a when i usually when i think of, especially in the context of video games or like big action movies or something when you think about the creator being sort of indulgent or being kind of just like scattershot in terms of just including whatever they want to include or like jumping you to different locations suddenly or like putting things in you think of something that's like bombastic and a sensory overload and loud and crazy. And sometimes that's a virtue, right? Like sometimes that's shocking and interesting and cool, but like a lot of times it's, it's just all kind of flows together into just like noise. And this, it, this it, seems more like you're just in a quiet room, but then you look over there and then suddenly there is just like a potted plant shift, like a moose or something that yeah, someone's just put in when you weren't right. paying attention. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it feels more like that. And it just, it keeps happening in really quiet ways. And the game is just so, so quiet and so restrained and it's just great it is so nice it is so weird to play something that is this pulled back and this restrained but also so weirdly sprawling like there's a like i don't we've been spoiling tons of stuff so i don't feel i probably shouldn't keep it's really big. spoiling things but like there are just moments where you see things that are just of enormous scale and you're like this is i never would have expected this from the game that i started playing when you're just like in a little garden like yeah. solving a little puzzle <laughs> It's it's so great. It's called the Talos Principle, and it's by fucking Crow Team, the people who made Serious Sam, which <laughs> oh, is yeah. the exact example of the thing I was talking about that's, of a lack of restraint that is totally bombastic. I heard about this game because because of Paolo, our graphics programmer, was he just in his way he was like, "Do you know this thing from the people who made Serious Sam?" And then he showed me the like a glimpse of this game. I was like, "That looks really good." And then he's like, "Yeah, it's from the people who made the thing with a headless monster who runs over a hill and goes because <laughs> like that's I think that's everyone's like." Mm-hmm. iconic point of serious sam yeah. that stupid guy mm-hmm. but like i guess that's the opposite of this is just like yeah it's a weird str- a screaming like sponge well, we'll monster. see where it's going yeah that's know, true right? <laughs> we don't know yet although the first time any sort of expl- like there's one explosion that you can make happen what a couple times um and sort of dispatching the the like the security bots oh yeah, yeah and it yeah. was distressing yeah the first time i went but whoa, also, whoa 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 why did is you there do it on accident or did you do it on purpose um, I did it on like faux purpose where I went, ah, I bet well, I'll just try it. Yeah, me too. But yeah. I was really excited when it worked. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what? This sounds really good. <laughs> it's all, if you like Portal, you should play this. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> if you like Serious Sam, you'll love our 18 when you start hearing <laughs> from way in the distance. That is actually the best part of Serious Sam is their stupid 3D audio positioning on that screaming guy because when he's like halfway across the level, you hear that wacky yell. Oh, yeah. oh man. Well, and, and on certain <laughs> levels when there's like, you'll hear like, Arr, and then like five seconds later, 
<laughs> and then it's like no longer positional because it's all around right, you're just storming over the hill yeah. everywhere and nowhere yeah. Yeah. God, that was a series that the first game was just sort of wonderful in its complete just like just well, I guess this nonsensical yeah uh kind of, of bombast but then like isn't. yeah but then yeah. after that I, I remember serious sam 2 and i guess 3 being just kind of not exciting or interesting at all. I remember playing Serious Sam 2 and I'm like, eh. Well, Serious Sam 1, when that came out, that was sort of like, it actually felt really fresh because games yeah. had like, I think it was like Half-Life existed and mm-hmm. sort of reset the template from mm-hmm. Quake, Doom, Duke Nukem 3D to yeah. like, you are making Half-Lives now. Yeah. So to have this just huge wide open spaces with a bunch of guys screaming hilariously at you mm-hmm. and you just blowing them away was was the thing. Yeah. And, and then, then I, you made three more of them or whatever. And it's less Yeah, and I thing. remember the series yeah. kind of started to become more like sort of how I think of like Quake 4 or something, which is this really sort of sad attempt to take all of the sort of... You are a lone space marine who must become that screaming weird sponge monster. (laughs) No, I just mean... What I mean when I say Quake 4 is like this legacy thing that wants to be cool by being like the other modern things that are in in the same era that it's in, but it just is clearly out of place and not at home in that world. That's how I felt about Quake 4. It just felt sad to yeah, me. Yeah, it felt like they were trying uh, to put the sort of like the cinematic story of like of a Call of Duty or something, but yeah. you're becoming a straw. You're actually becoming right. a guy from a game where all the sound effects are <laughs> and stuff. Like you can't it's yeah. not gonna happen. Yeah. Um Man, I really want to play the Tales Principle now. It's so yeah. good. I can't believe Steam. how good it is. Oh. I mean, I hope it keeps being good. There's there's all this um you know what's the funny thing about playing this game? Is it reminded me how close um a lot, a lot of cheesy video game sort of pseudo religious lore is to actual real religious lore because you know this game in the terminals. Uh, I mean, uh, well, it's not okay. This is actually not an example of religious lore. What I'm gonna, what I'm about to bring up, but like there are passages in this game from like John Milton and William Blake, mm-hmm. and it's a reminder that so much of the imagery that game developers are obsessed with in terms of sort of like epic heaven and hell shit is just cribbed directly from a certain like literary yeah. right. religiously informed literary tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a point to make about that. It was just, well, this I, game actually quotes the source of it. Though, yeah. It was of... nice. It was nice to keep coming face to face with like actual source material for that stuff. Mm. Um, then there's like other, I'm not, it's not 100% clear to me where the narrative is going, but I think I have a pretty good idea. Um, and I, I suspect some of that stuff could end up kind of cheesy. I don't know. Sean yeah. I'm not so worried about it. Maybe I don't I'm not know, worried about so, it necessarily. So, I'm not, you're probably a little further than me, I think. Could be. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. Like it's it's, oh, it's, it's so like refreshing. Yeah. Good. And it's inc- very crisp. It's a very like crisply made game. Yes, it really is. Jake will like the UI or the menu a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, also, <laughs> good. Jake, I think you I think you will good. like the little like there's little in world things. This game is also actually similar to The Witness. I think. I was actually going to bring up the witness where I went. Where I was playing. It's like, oh, the witness is already out. <laughs> and like, Holy shit! Is it really? <laughs> no, that's just what it it's felt like playing. This game. I'm sure. It's, I even played yeah. the witness. I'm, I'm sure, sure it's they're different very, in a lot very, of ways. very different. But there are little things about it that sure. are so so clearly similar. Yeah, yeah. It was surprising to me. Yeah, and there's li- the little bits that are similar to that. I-, I love the UI on them. I think it's really, really smart. Nice. Um, yeah. I just want to note that when I was writing down the name Serious Sam under Games Discussed, I accidentally wrote Serious Ma'am, which is a way better game. Yes. <laughs> Ms. Pac-Man and Serious Ma'am. Yeah. Yes. Serious Ma'am. <laughs> it's really good. 
Um, Serious mom's gonna back. fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watch that. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, it's serious, ma'am. It's ma'am. It's serious, no. ma'am. We gotta cheese it. Get out of here. <laughs> before we before we move over the Talos principle, I want to like pra- praise the developers of the Talos principle for one tiny little thing that is the easiest thing to implement you could ever imagine and made the experience of quitting this game so positive, which is that when you quit, it gives you the stock thing that you always see everywhere now, which is if you quit, you will lose all progress since your last checkpoint. But then they tell you how long it's been since your last checkpoint. Oh, yes. Yeah. Why Why doesn't every game do that? Why doesn't every game game do that? It is insane. You just put a timer on after your checkpoint happens. And then when you quit, you just read what the timer is. It's it's like I, I was quit and it was like you will lose all progress since your last checkpoint and then in parentheses less than one minute ago and I'm like great I don't need to worry about anything <laughs> yep it's awesome it why was isn't like this that tiny little like, cause, thing because that's so stupid checkpoint by saving and that note saying you'll lose progress after checkpoint I imagine that exact specific messaging and the shape of that dialogue box and everything came into place because of certification yes, on an Xbox console, or PlayStation yes. man why don't they just make the cert requirement be that you also have to have a timer you're making everyone jump through all the other shitty hoops just put the one in that makes it actually a useful feature <sighs> mm-hmm Smart. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like you brilliant. just made me old man about that because like that's actually I'm amazed that you serious manned serious <laughs> serious it's so old good man. That the game actually does that because like that's just that's that's one of those like there ought to be a law blah, like blah, blah, like why why why, why like just people grump about it all the time like that actual specific feature is cited yes and no one does it and they thanks crow team yeah I'm so impressed with. This t- Goatee 2014 like, for save uh, I mean, dialogue coming, box. Well, coming from <laughs> declining Serious Sam, I don't know what they've done in between Serious Sam and this. If they anything, made Serious Sam like, in decline. <laughs> but this strange like, game. That is just such an, that series was just had become such like an unworthy of comment thing. It's like who I don't even care what's going on in Serious Sam at all. And to come to go from that to this, this it just feels so totally out of nowhere. And it's like this thing is great. It's so nice. It's so. Just like not patronizing and like not hitting you in the face all the time. Like it's quiet. It's like subtle. It's clever. It's fun. Like it's just well made. Um, it's re- it doesn't feel buggy or anything. Like just all the things about it are good. That's really good. Yeah. It's a video game I need to play. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Do you guys want to take a break for a sec? Mm-hmm. Sure. So. Cool. Video this episode is brought to you by NatureBox, a delicious snack subscription service that will send all kinds of treats directly to your home or office. Um, we love NatureBox. We eat them all the time, and you can try eating them as well by going to naturebox.com slash thumbs, where you will be able to get a free trial consisting of three mini snack Like bags. samplers. Yeah. And one full-size and snack full of your size. choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should do that and try it. It's good. Um, Nick Brecken loves them. Also, he's not here, but he loves them. He's probably eating it right now. He yeah, probably he probably had to miss. Let's listen in because he was too busy doing that. <laughs> Sounds I good. I had a reader in my Twitch channel last night say how much they liked Nature Box. And there you they, go. They bought their sampler because of our podcast. Exactly. Thank you, reader. Thanks, thank reader. you, Nature Box. Naturebox.com slash thumbs. Mm-hmm. Video games. We'd also like to thank Sherry's Berries. It's the holiday season. You need a gift right now. What you can do. But this gift must be edible. Yeah. You need somebody somebody on and your delicious. list is starving. And you're going to satiate them with 
strawberries covered in chocolate. Sherry's Berries is your stop for this. Yes. If you go to berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, click on the little microphone icon in the top corner and type in thumbs, you're taken to a special offer page uh, where you can send people berries for just $19.99, which is 40% off their usual price, or you can double the amount for just $10. Um, the berries they send are like... These just gigantic, they're huge. enormous strawberries Camp dipped size. in all sorts of chocolates mm-hmm. and like sort of candy swirls. Yeah, they're basically and, and baby nuts. fists. Yeah, we've probably said that before. Yes, and also they're um, like the idols from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, <laughs> they'll melt Indi- through your satchel. Indiana Jones could have swapped that idol with a Sherry's Easily. berry, and he the actually, machine wouldn't have gone off like it did with that sand. In the special um, edition, right. he does. The, yes, they changed that um, when Sherry's <laughs> berry sponsored Indiana Jones. Um, like they ship it in a, in a, a cooled box, like they show up. They're not, not going to show up all melty. No, they show up like they show up as if you just took them out of a refrigerator. It's kind of it's, it's ridiculous. Great. It's really nice. They sent us some and they're very good. Yes. So mm-hmm. thanks Sherry's Berries and Berries dot com. Yeah, Berries dot com. Use the little microphone icon in the upper right. Click that. Enter thumbs and you will get that deal. Yeah. Send berries to everyone. Send them to your mom. Send them to your own face. Send them to yourself. Eat them. <laughs> Send them to your mouth. Send them to your own house, but address to mom. And then right. they show up. Eat them. Eat them. Put on some lipstick and then eat them. <laughs> yes. It's very Put on your mother's lipstick. <laughs> address them to serious ma'am. <laughs> serious ma'am. That's why she's pissed you ate her berries. <laughs> My berries. My berries. <laughs> Berries.com. Click the microphone. Thumbs. Okay. Twice uh, the berries. <laughs> Stop. Video it's time for podcast. It's time for Dragon Age conversation. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think it is. So did you beat it? So no, you girl- watched. You watched Patricia beat it. Uh, yes, I watched my girlfriend beat it. How long and- did that take? Out of curiosity, oh god, seventy-two hours. Seriously? Yes. Oh my god. Uh, you, I played. You could have gone to L.A. in that time period. We, yeah, I could have stayed <laughs> at LAX <laughs> airport for twenty-two hours, like several times over. Um, Let's see. So I watched her play the entire thing, and I sort of played parts of it as she was playing. She hates puzzles, so I beat all the puzzles for her, things like that. She hates puzzles? She kind of does. I know. It's okay. <laughs> she should not play the Talos Principle. Yeah. I think oh, I'll man. be playing I, that one. I, I played the – last night, I played the, the Talos Principle with, with Sarah as sort of a pair – like, I was playing it, and she was watching. And she actually, on several occasions, like, it was a total classic adventure game thing where she would, like, point out things to try – and I would do it, and it was the correct solutions. We, to- we totally had best. that, like, back and forth. Oh, man. Yeah. It was really The good. best way to really, play a really puzzle fun. game is with two people who like it when one person one person is driving and the other person is just having the slightly wider cone of vision than you yes. have as the person who's controlling it. Right, where you're but, focused on the reticle, and then, yeah. But I guess oh. that's not the Dragon Age experience. Well, it's not the Patricia Hernandez experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, it's kind of funny. This is kind of a perfect tangent to, well, I will talk about Dragon Age, I promise. But the other game I played this week was a puzzle game that I played with her that she actually liked. And it's uh, Hideo Kojima's Game of the Year this year. It's called Framed. And it's a little iOS game. Like, I know, iOS game. Well, after 80 days, I feel like we're not not hating on it. Oh, man, Crossy Crossy Road. 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 That's right. Desert Golf. Desert Golf. Monument Valley. iOS is a supported platform on this podcast. it absolutely is. So framed. Framed. It's a simple puzzle game. You basically have, um, you know, six or, well, it begins with sort of four uh, little comic book panels. Mm -hmm. um, And you have to arrange them in a certain way. You press play and your little character goes through them. And if you figured out the correct order, you'll get through that sequence. And then a little tiny cutscene plays. Uh, It has this sort of like really nice silhouetted noir kind of uh, aesthetic mm-hmm. to it, which cool. is really cool, and like a jazzy little soundtrack, which is mm-hmm. nice. 
Um, just a simple, really fun little puzzle game. And it was kind of perfect to like play in bed and just, hey, what if we do this? And what if I do this? And it was exactly like what you were describing. It's just really fun to tag team it with somebody who doesn't necessarily like love puzzles, but this is simple enough that it's How complicated out. does that end up getting? Uh, not too complicated. I mean, it never gets so difficult that we couldn't figure it out within, you know, five or ten minutes okay. or so. So it's it's fairly light, but... Um, right. That's, like, comfortable, though, for that kind of game. It's very comfortable. Yeah, yeah for, for, like, a mobile puzzle game. Very, yeah. very comfortable. So on to Dragon Age. Uh, framed. That sounds like, like a little Inferno level of comfortableness. Yeah. Me, right? Just sort of, like, yeah. just sit and play with it. Y- you think about it, you, you kind of cool. brute force your way through it, basically, yeah. Well, not brute force, but you you play around. Sure. Um, so Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Patricia was obsessed with this game. She would not stop playing it for about a month. And uh, yeah, so I saw basically the entire story unfold. So I kind of know mm-hmm. what happens. I know all of this stuff. I know who she romanced. I know all these things, which totally wrong decisions. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, and played some of the puzzles and so on and so forth. Uh, and then I sort of rolled my own character the other night and started in. And she played as a warrior, so I played as a mage. You know, I want to see the other side of things. Um, I'm only a couple hours in at this point, uh, but I'm really enjoying the combat, which I didn't think I would. I thought it was going to be huh. kind of boring and rote. Uh, and it's not exactly uh, incredibly deep. This is obviously sort of an RPG with some action elements, real-time elements. Um, I'm pretty sure folks know Dragon Age at this point, if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. But if not, it's, I mean, it's Bioware RPG. You know? It's basically entirely real-time, right? It's just oh, yeah. you can pause it if you want. You can pause it and go into tactical mode where you go into an overhead view and you can give orders to your yeah. party members. You always have four party members. Um, and typically it's it's a mix of like, you know, rogue, mage, templar. I mean, it's warrior. real time, but I imagine it's just, it is all just stat and HP driven because you have items that it have is. various properties. Yeah, 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 so that's, exactly. that's what, oh, yeah, sure. Right. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. That's, exactly. I think, all we In need that to way, know about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, like, like a Dark Souls, right? In terms of no, no, it's not, not, as not deep. really. Because Dark, Dark Souls <laughs> is so much about like frame, like this exact frame you're parrying. Oh, okay. And uh, with yeah. Dragon Age, it's just like you hold down the button to just keep shooting your spell, oh, and okay. it'll connect yeah. based and then on it's just, it's stats, like yeah. doing rolls and yeah. hitting people. Basically, exactly. it seems like. Yeah, I like it because you're always switching between different styles. You know, you're always switching between your party members, and sort of whatever you like better is is what you end up with. It's not incredibly deep, but I actually thought I was going to kind of hate it. I thought it was going to be so boring and so rote, you know, five minutes in. And I'm kind of fine with it, at least a couple hours in. I know Patricia sort of found it fine as well. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. with a Bioware game, too. That was my reaction as well. It's like, yeah. this is fine. Like, this is not... I don't hate it. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, How far are you, Chris? Oh, just a couple hours. I'm not that far. I was only referring specifically to, like, the combat loop Danielle's yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh, Bioware games, you play it for the story. You yeah, the, play it the for combat the loop ridiculous is, in, is there to be in service like of the everything else exactly. that's happening, right? It's the, exactly. It's there basically to be a, a gi- thing that you do. A gigantic, <laughs> basically a gigantic role that, you know, you, you yeah. to move things forward. It's just food. Yeah, it's totally what it is. Um, but it's totally fine. And yes, it looks beautiful and it's it fun does. to be it's in this world. Nice looking, yeah. And Bioware does a great job with sort of building a interesting and cool world. Obviously, I, I actually think this is my first Dragon Age game, mm. actually, and um, I think it's uh, deeper in terms of the actual lore, in terms of the actual writing, and sort of the breadth of choices that you have. It is a more interesting game than the Mass Effect games, even though oh, I, I, I agree. I mean, sort I think... of like sci-fi better than fantasy as a as a sort of stock. Mm-hmm. If you give me two choices, I would pretty much always go with sci-fi. But in terms of actually what's presented to me in this game, it's it's more I, interesting. I, I totally agree. I yeah. feel like the, and I'm, I think I have a similar bent, right? Like I'm definitely 
all else equal, I'm probably more interested in the sci-fi thing. Like I'm not just, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah. but I do think Dragon Age series specifically feels like the writing is much more purposeful to me than yeah. the writing in Mass Effect. The writing in Mass Effect feels to me like it's a space opera and there are a lot of like great character moments in it, but it doesn't, I don't know if I necessarily feel like there's sort of a guiding purpose or like intention behind the writing in Mass Effect other than like have characters that have a voice and have kind of a big epic story that's like kind of the same as all the other big yeah. epic sci-fi stories. Like, um, What's the purpose in Dragon Age? It feels like to me... The writing staff on Dragon Age. Who's the lead writer of Dragon Age? David Gator? Is I that, think so, yeah. Or is it Mike Laidlaw? I can't... I think it's Gator, but... Let me Mike Laidlaw I... is another... Is he? He's on Dragon Age, but I don't know if he's the lead writer. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. What was that other guy's name? David uh, Gator. David Gator? Which, oh, I, I man. think it's him, but yeah. I hope sure. that guy now has the moniker Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the writing staff on Gator. that game ha- like made a very conscious effort, and I would say starting like just at the beginning of Dragon Age 1, to actually try and depict a world with like pretty fine grained social economic Mm -hmm. racial gender roles in a way that is not preachy but not window dressing um to me the best version of that came in these sort of like origin stories in dragon age one some of them were, were a lot less interesting than others but like the fact that you that depending on the combination of um like race class and gender you chose your opening story in dragon age that could be totally totally different is that um, still because that was the thing that that you was talking about that a lot yeah, only dragon on. age one had that okay but it's just an ex- it's like was sort of framing for this overall mentality that i'm talking about mm-hmm. it was the most ambitious mechanically the most ambitious mechanical version of it but i feel like the general intention to represent those factors. You feel like that's held to, true, at yes, least in this one. Yes, yeah. to suffuse them throughout the world you, of Dragon Age. You only played Dragon Age 1 and this one, right? No, I played Dragon Age 2 as oh, well. Did you? Okay. I didn't finish it. Um, or maybe I did. I can't remember, honestly. I didn't like it as much for other reasons, but um, it's un- kind of unrelated to my current point. Sure. But uh, like, I-, I just think it's admirable what they are doing. Um, and it feels it feels like they're really trying to earn that stuff to mm-hmm. me. You know, like it just feels like they're, they, because it doesn't feel like the game is a message game. It's not as though they're setting out to. No like, one's putting politics in your video games. <laughs> oh, no, I, I yeah. just mean that often, <laughs> like, if you're going to make a game with a very specific message, it should probably be really focused. You know, like it should probably, but like these games are by design enormous and sprawling. So it's less that they're sort of trying to make a specific point and more that this, the world is suffused with some amount of accountability towards these factors that are real and affect people's lives. And it's just, it's, it's doesn't in any way like decrease the amount of just like fantasy goofy things that happen. <laughs> like it's still full of just like yeah. ridiculous prophecies and magic and like enormous events that are affecting and the world. Like, and like, no matter who you and, are, you are in control of, uh, you have full agency over romancing anyone. Right. <laughs> like yeah. that is true. It's got, it's a Bioware game. So that's the case. <laughs> um, I just think that the, the, the sort of fabric they've that it's all nestled in is like admirable and very well executed. Yeah, I agree completely with that. I also just just on a base level think it's really, really amazing how many like women and people of color and there uh-huh. are even trans characters in this that yep. are just like they're there. That's it. And it's just really nice and refreshing to see sort of a fantasy game that's like we're not going to do the, the sort of usual bullshit where it's like, no, we're just going to kind of go with the stock TV and movie uh, sort of like 
whitewashed representation of a fantasy world that, that people do. It's fantasy. Like, there are fucking dragons. You can probably make out with a dragon in this game. Like, go for it. You <laughs> it know? seems like, they like they, they, You might as well have characters that represent the different kinds of people. You could definitely romance a big fucking bondage Iron bull. fucking bull guy. That's right. <laughs> so. Freddie Prince Jr. His voice yeah. by Freddie Prince Jr. I find that incredible. Teen star to uh, Iron Bull. What were you going to say, Sean? Oh, it seems like... From what I, this is anecdotal listening to you and Jane talk about it, but the game doesn't just like say, oh, our game is progressive because there's like a transgender person in it. It's actually the game is in like it takes on a lot of the like the sh- like social facts around yeah, these things too. Totally. It seems like it's not just sort of like, you know. The color, it's, it's, it's beyond just like, it's not they, just went, like they didn't just go in and just start palette swapping people. It's not just boosterism yeah. or kind of meaningless representation. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it feels like they, they earn, they're doing their best to earn it. Yeah. That's what yeah. it sounds like, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, Danielle, to, to what you were saying about sort of not just using the same stock characters you see in a lot of just sort of like big blockbuster TV and film fantasy, I think that games are actually in, and I, this actually relates to something I was thinking about the Talos Principle as well, even though the Talos Principle doesn't really have people in it as far as I can tell. So it's not relevant in that way. But you, there is an opportunity in games because they're just spaces you exist in to to kind of just put stuff in them without it needing yeah. – without like some executive needing to worry about whether it's like the most saleable thing in the most exact way, right? Like you don't need to say we're making Dragon Age a game – about minorities or something like right. it doesn't matter like you're playing right. you're, you're selling the game based on this world and you play it and that stuff's in it because it's just in the world and i feel like you you'd like, have a hard time even getting that pa- a lot of the stuff in this game you'd have a hard time getting it past um a film executive because oh, yeah. Absolutely. because you can't there's no the, nothing the, just sort of like happens in a film it's like the subject of the the, shot. the scope yes. of the world and the number of characters in it is just so much higher and so fine grand it's like in yeah. guardians of the galaxy you wouldn't be like oh my god one of the people walking around in that mall is transgender right right like, exactly you yeah. just can't it's, it's obsess me- over and it's that. also meaningless because yeah. if you want to like find out more about that character you cannot <laughs> so right. Right. it wouldn't even mean anything in the first place and then if you did, then that is what this is about. Exactly. Yeah. And right. then right. you're dealing with like the then asshole not, executive. Then you're not getting like, that. Why, movie made why is why yeah. are we not dealing with the hero right now? Like, right. Why is yeah. the shot in the movie? It's like, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. feel the same way about the Talos principle, even though it has not, I'm not it has nothing to do with representation. The Talos principle is just like we're gonna make a game that has like a passage from John Milton in it, and we're nice, like yeah. we're gonna do that. And like it doesn't really matter that that's not the focus of the game. We're not gonna put it in the trailer. We're not gonna like. It doesn't have to be pitched to someone. We're just making this game and the game is this puzzle thing. But like all around the edges everywhere, there's just all this other shit that we find interesting. And like we don't need to justify it to anyone. We just have to make it good. Yeah. And that that's what it feels like when I play something like Dragon Age. Um, and I think that's a real like a, an often underrecognized power that games have because we are in in fact talking about commercial entertainment and those are things so that need to be wrestled. You didn't with. see the trailer for Talos Principle then? Which no, is just, it's, sure it's, that... it's just Michael Caine quoting John Milton <laughs> four times in a row. Um, it's a bummer. Do not go gentle. Oh, God. I actually counted. It was five times that that poem was referenced in Good Interstellar. Lord. Five times. I thought it was four. I only saw four. Five. Well, it's, it's in, at the, at the very end, 
It's in, uh, it's like etched onto oh, it's on that the plaque. side of the plaque. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I you counted saw, that. If you saw it in IMAX on opening weekend, when you got to the bottom of your popcorn bucket, it was actually written. <laughs> it, was in the bo- it was written in butter yeah, on, on the, the bottom. bottom. Christopher that- Nolan hand wrote it onto yeah. every popcorn. I hope that in the weird, like, future bookcase world of that, of that universe, like, they, that, that passage is just attributed to that guy. Like, <laughs> Because he, it's so he's so it's so obsessively associated with him. This is oh yep. my god! Every book in that bookcase was Dylan Thomas. <laughs> as you as it flips through the like the, exactly. the do not go gentle the multi dimensional thing. It sort of is actually a flip book animation of them going <laughs> and slowly just getting replaced. <laughs> it's a weird time lapse. Oh, that would actually make a wolf movie is better. dying uh, and turning yes. into mold in the corner. Um, oh, the fox decomposing. Or the fox is dying and decomposing, and then also. Flowers, flowers grow out of him. Like dying. the Pikmin logo, they say the quote. Oh, it's perfect. Wow. <laughs> That's so good. You couldn't see that because if you saw it in IMAX, it's actually 4x3 and they cropped that out. If you watch the um, <laughs> the original full uh, like CinemaScope framing. Yeah, Christopher Nolan invented a new type of film just for this movie and then it was what? even wider <laughs> yes. than that. Yes. <laughs> Can't see it in normal theaters. Yeah. Um, Before we go... Because well, we have to go make a video game. But oh, yeah. I have a GIF story. A GIF story? Okay. It, Wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, just real quick. Oh. Are you? Were there any other observations you wanted to make about Dragon Age? Oh, Nation? I can no. make them next week. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I, I, I want to play more as okay. well. So. Okay. Yeah. You're going to tell this GIF story quickly? Tell the GIF story. It's not, it's just a, it's just a weird thing that happened, is happening to me. It <laughs> is happening to it you? It is cu- I, currently I mean, happening. It's currently happening. You're a GIF. No. Uh, on Saturday, I got a text message from a four and five number at San Francisco that I is not in my phone. That was just a GIF of a chimpanzee. Oh, it was texted to you. Yes. Yeah. Pulling a bulldog on a leash over a bridge. (laughs) And he's like, come on, buddy. And the bulldog doesn't want to go because there's water. And then he like, he like, he coaches him up and they get across the water together and the chimpanzee and the bulldog. This is real. This isn't like an animation. This is like an right. actual GIF of these two living creatures on our earth doing this. And I was like, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> and so I wrote back and said, oh, man, what a great GIF. I'm sorry, but this number isn't in my phone. So hello, friend. Nothing. Oh. And then about a day later. Yes. Raccoon rolling down the hallway. GIF. Oh, man. <laughs> And I went, good. Keep them coming. <laughs> About a day and a half later, <laughs> a gif of, I think it's like a lampshade, like sashaying and saying, girl. That's and I went like, nice. <laughs> and then <laughs> last night at 740 is just a woman raising a bottle in the air and it's sc- screaming Manischewitz. <laughs> in the subtitle, <laughs> to which I wrote back, "Happy Hanukkah." <laughs> so, like, Let me see this. This is like an ongoing relationship this I have. Okay, so you've got to send them back. Cat with cheese dropped on their face. At some point, you've got to start oh, reciprocating. Yeah. I think I probably should. That is my favorite gif. Of you all should time. probably send the cat just going cheese cat, cheese yes. cat. Yeah, oh, one of these arrived at two a.m. Yeah, that was distressing. <laughs> <laughs> you have a secret gif admirer friend. This might not be an admirer. This person might be. This person might be my murderer. But uh. <laughs> God, the chimpanzee and the dog was nothing like what I expected. But look yeah, at I, him. I think I need to see this. Yeah, you yeah. Do. Like, look over your- no, no, here. Man, this is two weeks in a row without reader mail. Next week, that's all the reader mail I need. <laughs> that's true. Someone's been sending you strange, 
strange reader mail. Yeah. Um, next week, actually, Not next week's going to be Christmas. Christmas. We'll have an episode. We don't know what it's going to be. Maybe we pull things out of our <gasps> Christmas stocking that is reader mail. That's a great idea. So, yeah, next week we're going to do an all-reader mail Santa's sack. Or with a, maybe a bit more Dragon Age from Danielle. Yes. Right in. Yes. It's like some Dragon Age. I will write in with Dragon Age so observations. If you have any um anything you'd like to tell us, please write us in at questions at idlethumbs.net. Uh while you're on your computer, follow us on Twitter at, at idlethumbs. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash idlethumbs podcast. And rate us on iTunes. That'd and be Twitch. So nice. And watch Danielle play video games on Twitch, twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. Absolutely. Basically go to any website on the internet <laughs> and type in slash idle thumbs and see if we're there. If that Face- doesn't work, Facebook.com slash idle thumbs. If that doesn't work, yeah. type slash thumbs and you might get a discount on some berries or uh, <laughs> a snack box. Actually, speaking, speaking of, of that, which, yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Nature Box, for sponsoring this episode. You can go to naturebox.com slash thumbs for a free NatureBox sample pack consisting of three small snacks and a full-size snack. NatureBox.com slash thumbs. See you guys next week. See you next week. Tasty. Tasty? It is tasty. It is tasty. Next week. Cereal. What? Oh. Cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Cereal <laughs> thumbs. Man. I think that Mail Kahimp did it. That's yeah. The, the, did what? Milk oh, did the murder? Killed her. Yeah. So we all know you're going to be disappointed by the end of Serial tomorrow, so be excited today by this video game podcast. <laughs> Does it come out tomorrow? Yeah, Thursday. Final episode of Serial. Oh, crazy. Podcast. I only listened to the last one today, the most previous one, mm. the most recent one, I mean. Yeah. Man, that is going to be a... People are... There's going to be some that internet is. content generated <laughs> by that podcast. That is a, have we talked about Serial at all on this podcast? No. The Serial is really good, but it also, I think, is creating a really fucked up situation where people are really conflating journalism and entertainment. Like journalism doesn't really promise an objective answer to anything. Journalism right, just promises to report what can be reported. Serial is structured as an entertainment product though. Yeah, exactly. Well, and people are certainly yeah. receiving it as one. I mean, it's called serial, which is harkening back to, yeah, for sure. Entertaining like edge of your seat. Storytelling split up into parts. Like that's yeah. what a serial is. Yes. This is, Generally nonfiction. Yeah. I, I mean, guess generally fiction, excuse me. Yeah. There's Historically fiction. nonfiction serial. For the just we always have to say this, I guess, because as much as it seems like serial is ubiquitous within our community, it obviously isn't actually. Uh it is a uh twelve episode season first season of podcast, a podcast of a podcast yeah. that is was spun off of this American life by a longtime producer of that show, Sarah Koenig, that for this first season has been has been sort of unpacking uh, the details of a murder that happened, what, 15 years ago in Baltimore, uh, the murder of a high school uh, student, Heyman Lee, allegedly by her boyfriend, Adnan Syed, who was convicted of that crime, but around which there is a lot of, th- there are elements that make his conviction. Yeah. The podcast is interesting because everything surrounding that case is basically insane and convoluted. It's very murky. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's an actual thing that happened and there isn't any way to objectively know what actually happened without being one of the people who was there. But the pod, but I think the way people receive the podcast and uh, this is in part due to how the podcast presents itself is that like, Oh, it's a true crime story and we're going to find out what happened at the end. But like, of course we're probably not. 
Well, it's a it being a true crime story also doesn't have anything to do with it being at the end. But I think that serial is way closer to a true crime story than it is to journalism. Yeah, it's just it's being told by a reporter unveiling stuff. I don't know if I agree. Well, with but that. she's doing a lot of reporting though. She's doing a lot yeah. of her own reporting. It feels like reporting to me. But I guess it's like it's a, it's a magazine feature in audio form. Yeah. Like this is not an article that yes. would show up in a newspaper about this is not right. crime reporting. This is a feature story. Yes. You could see this being a four part feature by somebody like Steve Lopez so I'm saying it's, it's a, yeah, it, or something. Yeah, it, but it still would be presented. It wouldn't it's yes. It's not presented but as it wouldn't news. be it's presented a piece, as, Yes, but it's obviously different than crime reporting in the sense that it's not happening can parallel to the crime. Yeah, it's, and not, it's, it's, it's also her personal story. She exists inside of it as a character, basically, by being right. the narrator who right. talks about Right. I'm playing amateur but, detective. Yes. She's not playing reporter. But there's still as, definitely you know, in her own words. There's still definitely a lot of just straight reporting that is happening. Yes. She's doing yeah. just like journalistic pounding the pavement for sure. So I have happening. a I have a slight issue with it in that and it ties directly into how you open this up with mm-hmm. it being conflating in some ways entertainment and journalism. Mm-hmm. Just the the sort of like on its face fact that uh, these are sort of like people of color and their lives are sort of being presented for entertainment's sake and they're real people and these are real communities and that sort of thing, which happens in the news all the time. And it's sort of, that's what that, gives me, think, that's though, what that makes is, me pause a little bit. Do you think it is it. any more exploitative of them than it would be of white people though? I was I mean, just going to ask that do question. You, do you think it's doing anything to them as people of color that if they just happen to be white people, would be any different because to me it's- no i mean i don't think she's doing that i think it's more just sort of the way our culture presents things unfairly and just sort of the way what, things are just of sort that? of stacked against people of color in terms of the media in general like can you give an example of how that is coming to play in this instance well frankly i mean it's not really like a very specific sort of thing for me it's more just this general thing of okay true crime it's cool it's interesting but this is the sort of thing that happens all the time in America, and it's overreported. Like, you know, people crime statistics for people of color, it's overreported. We have statistics in terms of, like, the way media presents when people of color have committed a crime or, or whatever versus when white people do it. You know, it's it's just mm-hmm. sort of – I'm not being very specific right now. I apologize. But it, it's just sort of the, the – But do you, do you, do, are you saying then you – it is if, – if you're speaking about sort of a general thing that happens – and this is within with situated within that. Are you saying it is impossible to create a story that about this that is not about white people without that automatically? Like there, you, you're sort of saying don't make stories about this about people of color because in doing so, isn't that kind of a problem? Yeah, that's certainly a problem. I, I don't claim? think she's doing this in an exploitative way. Is yeah. is you know the crux of this? Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is just sort of an element of our society that sucks, obviously, sure. and it's not necessarily her fault. It's not necessarily like pe- the producers overall fault or anything like, like do you that. think serial would not have blown up in the same way that it did because of that is that what you're saying yeah there's some element of that um, I, don't I, know. I totally disagree i totally that. disagree because i, I think the like... people that i think the thing people are latching onto is the entertainment part of it is the just like mm. gripping week by week like oh new detail about the thing sure, like yeah. you know how each one starts with like his collect call from the it's sure. structured like a television episode it's yeah. very just like consumable you want to just like take it all in she also structures it that way though i mean like yeah. you can't you can't yeah. i'm not saying she doesn't i'm saying i think that more than anything is the thing that is okay keeping i couldn't tell coming. earlier if you were faulting the audience for perceiving this in a certain way when i think oh, uh, i think I, she's deliberately like yes those first four or five episodes are as thrilling as they are because she withholds detail mm-hmm. for the purpose of creating a narrative that you discover as a reader being entertained by this I mean, content like she's structured like, like a mystery does. story it's the same thing anybody who does when you're trying to get people to like go deeper than the surface facts of something right like i feel like 
like what else is she supposed to well, do? Well, but an attorney's job is different than a reporter's job because an attorney's job is to specifically create a is to specifically create a um, a reconstruction of events to best fit like the interests of their client. Whereas a journalist's job, theoretically, at least the way she certainly presents it, is like I don't know what happened. I'm just going to. So you don't think Sarah, show? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But you don't think Sarah has reconstructed the events of this case in a I way mean, that that you to allow the audience to best understand she, it. She sure has gone out of her way to say that she's not doing that. You know what I mean? I mean, I do think she's, I mean, as opposed to, I don't, I mean, there's, that's not what I'm saying. I do think the structure, I think I've learned more about these people and the infinitude of like, of human interaction that causes catastrophic life events to unfold by listening to serial than I would have otherwise. Oh, I think that's totally true. Like, um, I, th- I, I, I'm not saying I think serial is bad. Right. I'm not saying that, but I think that, that necessarily given the subject matter of this, like it's just an interesting consideration to weigh what you just said, which is totally true against the fact that this is just like an actual traumatic event that happened in people's lives. Right. Sure. Like, I mean, and that's there's a the really real interesting question, right? reaction between the two families because the family of Heyman Lee, like, does not appreciate that this exists. Whereas the family of Anand Syed extremely appreciates that this exists and loves the podcast. And like, <laughs> and it makes total sense because, yeah, uh, right. I mean, it's, well, it's course the, the podcast is kind of it constantly like dances around. What is the truth? What is reasonable doubt? There's probably reasonable doubt here, which right. obviously is to the benefit of his family. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I, where, where were we talking like in Slack or something where I said, posit this, you are Sarah Koenig. Um, at the end of Serial, something you discover that pieces this all together allows Adnan Syed to get out of prison. Mm-hmm. He's like famous for six to nine months, like kind of like in the background for about a year and a half. And then two and a half years from now, it's reported that his girlfriend goes missing. How do you react? I mean, that kind of thing probably comes up all the time. I mean, not all right. the time, but like, <laughs> right. that's yeah. like, you know, but yeah, you know, crazy. Sure. Like, I mean, I think that's like the justice it, system, right? Like, yeah, but I do think it's yeah. important. I know I, I bet she seems like a pretty responsible, thoughtful person, but that's the sort of thing that when you're, if she goes back and listens to her first five episodes, which I do think are pretty sympathetic to Adnan, mm-hmm. um, she has to kind of wonder you know, am I, is that sympathy misplaced? I don't think it matters. I mean, I think the point of a reasonable doubt is that it makes no difference if you're like sympathetic. Oh, I think in terms of him being in jail, there's yeah, I think the reasonable doubt around his conviction is huge, but it is sort of like, from a personal level, you can tell that Sarah doesn't think he did it. Don't you think? Probably. Yeah. I I mean, well, I I don't know if she she went through a moment where she did at least. Well, I think she thinks that, the case as presented in the case as successfully argued in court is incomplete or seriously flawed complete. Yes. And agreed. does not tell the whole story. And Adnan Syed is probably not solely and wholly responsible in the way that he was portrayed by the prosecution. That yeah, the exact I, I reasons as specified in the case for why he is in jail are probably incorrect. Yes. <laughs> Whether or not he murdered someone. I mean, if anything, I'm glad people are becoming aware of 
how completely fucked our criminal justice system in America is. Like, if nothing <laughs> else, if really, if nothing else, like, I realize I wasn't super clear about my feelings about the way people of color are presented in this. Uh, but one thing I'm very clear on is that um, just from my time in the ACLU, sort of the like gross, oh, disgusting yeah. injustices that For we sure. like, and we see that we would have specific cases. Right. And also, there are so things that keep coming up, like repeatedly keep surfacing over the last several months that have continually brought that to the yes. forefront in, in other ways. Like, <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, it's, we're definitely... And also, I mean, aside, totally aside from serial, totally aside from any of this stuff, we also just learn, like, through just research and data over time that, like, witness testimony is a lot more flawed than we generally polygraphs think it is. And, like, total polygraphs bullshit. are total nonsense. <laughs> like, there's all kinds of... Like, also just confessions are usually... or Not usually, but, like, confessions often are very, like, suspect. Coerced, like, yeah. There's so It's a very many, hard reminder that the... Detective's job is to build a case, not to find the truth. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yes, absolutely. It's a yeah. In terms of reporting, though, I would take this over like the goddamn barf hurricane that is something like the Scott Peterson case and shit like that happens. <laughs> oh sure. Know? Although I don't think you could do something like this in real time. No, you, you could only do this but, like, in terms of having to like think about like be presented with the facts of a criminal case and then be presented with the sort of the human facts of it of all the people around it and every all the impact and how long like all the different people and all the how all the pieces fit together it's like it's a much feels like a much more um uh like um enriching experience to listen to serial than to like try to pay attention to a big crime like a big um case or big criminal case in real time sure yeah i mean there's something yeah there is something nice about since it's in retrospect being have it be compartmentalized instead of being a 24-hour news cycle constant (laughs) Hum. And Sarah Koenig and her staff's journey of discovery is chronicled through this as well. So you get to live the journey of discovering unearthing a cold case at the same time as there's also real journalistic reporting happening. Like yeah. there's 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 no denying that the like the hard reporting in serial is just like doused in sugar that is the amazing packaging of this american life and like her as a host carrying you along on the journey of the case like it's not it's not what if she had any idea it was gonna be this big i don't know no, i doubt it i doubt it because yeah. it's one of the biggest podcasts of all time yeah. i don't think anyone can ever expect that yeah anyway if she, if she thought it was this big last week's episode wouldn't have been the second to last episode that's in probably, the schedule that's probably true man that episode was lame uh Video I, guess games. We, I guess we talk about video games. This is a video game podcast where we talk about video games. Allegedly. I, I've yet to make my final determination as to whether, <laughs> to whether that is true. Tune welcome, in next week. To right, welcome to our new readers from Matter. Welcome, yeah, exactly. Welcome to readers from Matter to this and Idle Thumbs podcast where we talk about Serial, uh, another podcast that's a tr- uh, true crime reporting slash uh, audio. Is there reasonable doubt ever. that this is a video game podcast? That is the question. Yes, there is way that's more what we're than here that. for. Yeah. Yeah. There is you listen, say, do you guys listen to the Serial spoiler cast on Slate? <laughs> we can talk about that cast as well. <laughs> Excellent. <Okay. laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> 